Chapter thirty four of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty four A Midnight Visit. The lights but one were out. McLeod and Whispering Smith had gone, and Marion was locking up the house for the night when she was halted by a knock at the shop door. It was a summons that she thought she knew but the last in the world that she wanted to hear or to answer. Dixie had gone to the bedroom, and standing between the portieres that curtained the workroom from the shop, Marion, in the half-light, listened, hesitating whether to ignore or to answer the midnight intruder. But experience, and bitter experience, had taught her there was only one way to meet that particular summons, and that was to act, whether at noon or at midnight, without fear. She waited until the knocking had been twice repeated, turned up the light, and going to the door drew the bolt. Sinclair stood before her, and she drew back for him to enter. "'Dixie Dunning is with me tonight,' said Marion, with her hand on the latch, and we shall have to talk here.' Sinclair took off his hat. "'I knew you had company,' he returned in the low, gentle tone that Marion knew very well. So I came late, and I heard tonight for the first time that this railroad crowd is after me. God knows why, but they have to earn their salary somehow. I want to keep out of trouble if I can. I won't kill anybody if they don't force me to it. They've scared nearly all my men away from the ranch already. One crippled-up cowboy is all I've got to help me look after the cattle. But I won't quarrel with them, Marion, if I can get away from here peaceably so I've come to talk it over once more with you. I'm going away, and I want you to go with me. I've got enough to keep us as well as the best of them, and as long as we live. You've given me a good lesson. I needed it, girlie. Don't call me that. He laughed kindly. Why, that's what it used to be. That's what I want it to be again. I don't blame you. You're worth all the women I ever knew, Marion. I've learned to appreciate some few things in the lonely months I've spent up on the Frenchman, but I felt while I was there that I was working for both of us. I've got a buyer in sight now for the cattle and the land. I'm ready to clean up and say good-bye to trouble. All I want is for you to give me the one chance I've asked for and go along. They stood facing each other under the dim light. She listened intently to every word, though in her terror she might not have heard or understood all of them. One thing she did very clearly understand, and that was why he had come, and what he wanted. To that she held her mind tenaciously, and for that she shaped her answer. I cannot go with you, now or ever. He waited a moment. We always got along, Marion, when I behaved myself. I hope you always will behave yourself, but I could no more go with you than I could make myself again what I was years ago, Murray. I wish you nothing but good, but our ways parted long ago. Stop and think a minute, Marion. I offer you more and offer it more honestly than I ever offered it before, because I know myself better. I'm alone in the world strong and better able to care for you than i was when i undertook it to i've never complained 
that's what makes me more anxious to show you now that i can and will do what's right oh you multiply words it's too late for you to be here you're in danger you say for the love of heaven leave me and go away you know me marion when my mind is made up i won't leave without you he leaned with one hand against the ribbon showcase if you don't want to go i will stay right here and pay off the scores i owe two men here have stirred this country up too long anyway i don't care much how soon anybody gets me after i round them up but to-night i felt like this you and i started out in life together and we ought to live it out or die together whether it's to-night marion or twenty years from to-night if you want to kill me to-night i have no resistance to make sinclair sat down on a low counter-stool and bending forward held his head between his hands it oughtn't all to end here i know you and i know you want to do what's right i couldn't kill you without killing myself you know that he straightened up slowly here he slipped his revolver from his hip holster and held the grip of the gun toward her use it on me if you want to it's your chance to end everything it may save several lives if you do i won't leave mccloud here to crow over me and by god i won't leave you here for whispering smith i'll settle with him anyhow take the pistol what are you afraid of take it use it i don't want to live without you if you make me do it you're to blame for the consequences she stood with wide-open eyes but uttered no word you won't touch it then you care a little for me yet he murmured no do not say so, but I will not do murder. Think about the other, then. Go with me, and everything will be all right. I'll come back some evening soon for my answer, and until then, if those two men have any use for life, let them keep in the clear. I heard tonight that Desang is killed. Do you know whether it's true? It is true. An oath half escaping showed how the confirmation cut him and whispering smith got away it is de sang's own fault i told him to keep out of that trap i stay in the open and i'm not de sang i'll choose my own ground for the finish when they want it with me and when i go i'll take company i'll promise you that good night marion will you shake hands no damn it i like your grit girl well good night anyway she closed the door she had even strength enough to bolt it before the footsteps died away she put out the light and felt her way blindly back to the workroom she staggered through it clutching at the curtains and fell in the darkness into dixie's arms marion dear don't speak dixie whispered i heard everything oh marion she cried suddenly conscious of the inertness of the burden in her arms oh what shall i do moved by fright to her utmost strength dixie drew the unconscious woman back to her room and managed to lay her on the bed marion opened her eyes a few minutes later to see the lights burning to hear the telephone bell ringing and to find dixie on the edge of the bed beside her oh marion thank heaven you are reviving i've been frightened to death 
Don't mind the telephone. It's Mr. McCloud. I didn't know what to do, so I telephoned him. But you'd better answer him, said Marion, faintly. The telephone bell was ringing wildly. Oh, no, he can wait. How are you, dear? I don't wonder you were frightened to death. Marion, he means to kill us, every one. No, Dixie, he will kill me and kill himself. That's where it will end. Dixie, do answer the telephone. What are you thinking of? Mr. McCloud will be at the door in five minutes. Do you want him in the street tonight? Dixie fled to the telephone, and in an excited conference over the wire closed in seeming reassurance at both ends. At that time Marion had regained her steadiness, but she could not talk of what had passed. At times, as the two lay together in the darkness, Marion spoke, but it was not to be answered. "'I do not know,' she murmured once wearily. "'Perhaps I'm doing wrong.' perhaps i ought to go with him i wish oh i wish i knew what i ought to do end of chapter thirty four